What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm. What do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. This is Victoria. From the London Underground to the Taipei Metro, the people of our world are going places. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? What do you do when you have a burning question? In Taiwan, you do pretty much what you do anywhere else. Look up the answer on Wikipedia. Most Taiwanese people are spoiled for choice. There's of course the Mandarin Wikipedia, which you can manually set to show only the traditional Chinese characters used here in Taiwan, and Taiwanese vocabulary. Then there are more modest Wikipedias for some local or regional languages. Hokkien, Hakka, even a classical Chinese Wikipedia for devotees of ancient poetry and prose. But what if your language doesn't have a Wikipedia? Until late last year, that was the case for all the languages spoken by Taiwan's indigenous peoples. Yes, in practice, the speakers of many of these languages could just use the Mandarin Wikipedia. And yes, the number of fluent literate speakers of many languages is small. But even a number of long-dead languages like Gothic and Anglo-Saxon have their own Wikipedias. So too do a lot of constructed languages that may not even have native speakers. So why not put the living languages of Taiwan's first peoples online too? That was an idea that National Zhengzhou University professor Lin Xiuce had and got the education ministry on board with. Results took many years to come to fruition. Still, as of late 2019, there is one of these languages officially on Wikipedia, with 1,752 articles as I record this. Hopefully more as you hear it. Which language is this? As it turns out, one of the smallest of the small. Professor Lin wasn't able to sit down for an interview, but his assistant, Tsai Pei-jun, was. She joins us today for a look at this language community's years of work to get itself online, and what it means for a small linguistic minority like this one to do so. Despite, ironically enough, what you'll find on Wikipedia, the Council of Indigenous Peoples' most recent estimate puts the number of Sakizaya at around 1,000. Their ancestors were massacred by Imperial Chinese troops during the 1800s, and they hid amongst the much larger Amis people for many years, fearful of further attacks. And these years of living among neighbors may help explain why it's so hard to pin down their exact numbers. They've since reclaimed their distinct identity, though, and the government officially declared them an indigenous people in their own right back in 2007. The people may have re-emerged, but their language is endangered. Ms. Tsai says only around 100 people are fluent and literate in the language's romanized script. 
With a number of much larger indigenous groups out there, it might have seemed at first like Sakizaya would have been one of the last Wikipedias to get set up. When Professor Lin and the Education Ministry started the project to launch indigenous language Wikipedias, the idea was to get all 16 recognized languages involved. And a number of those bigger groups, especially the Atayal, the Amis, and the Sidik people got on board too. This was back in 2015. But for reasons Ms. Tai leaves a bit unclear, the program was stopped halfway through. Only the Sakizaya persevered. The reason was because of another program the Sakizaya were involved with, one that required them to write Wikipedia articles in their language. That's why this small language community of just 100 got there first. The program's now back on track, but plans for Wikipedias in other indigenous languages are only just restarting. There were difficulties, of course. How do you say set up an account or even internet? Should Chinese terms be borrowed and adapted to the local pronunciation? Or should new ones be invented? If new words were coined, how could the team working on the project make sure that all Sakizaya speakers could accept them? After all, only a small portion of the hundred or so speakers were involved in the project at first. How could the team even be sure the words they came up with would be understood? It took a lot of discussion and explanation for some older speakers of what the original Chinese term meant to begin with. Since indigenous languages haven't been taught in Taiwan schools for all that long, I imagine that a lot of older speakers might not be familiar with the way it's been written down officially. They might be able to sound out the words well enough, but when writing, would they know the official way to spell? Actually, Ms. Tai says, this isn't much of a problem with Sakizaya. If anything, the problem is the reverse. Plenty of Sakizaya people have learned to read and write their language quite well. Instead, because of a lack of practice, it's actually being able to use the language in conversation that's the problem. The bigger Wikipedias out there are huge undertakings, with legions of writers and editors working on just about every topic. With just a small team working on the Sakizaya Wikipedia at first, were certain topics given a priority? What did Sakizaya speakers want and need from their own encyclopedia? Was there any direction from the top about what to write about? No, Ms. Tai says. The speakers involved with the project were encouraged to write about whatever they wanted to. Some articles reflect concerns specific to the Sakizaya or Taiwanese indigenous people in general. For instance, there's lots of geographical information about different villages. Then there are articles that are international in scope. Pretty much every country in the world has a dedicated article, as do many heads of state. And scrolling through the list, you can also find many biographies of people from around the world. People wrote what interested them personally. They were told that if they wanted to, they could look to the Mandarin, English, or Japanese Wikipedias for inspiration. But it seems there was little direct translation. They may have used sources in other languages, and they cited them, but for the most part, it looks like they wrote the articles from scratch. Wikipedia 
Ms. Tsai says that in the process of working on this project, Sakizaya speakers have come to feel that they've immortalized their language online, even if many of the native speakers pass away in the coming years. Ms. Tsai says that as they see it, Wikipedia is the safest online bet, too, not liable to disappear suddenly like smaller website domains. Then there's also the prestige and international recognition that comes, to a degree, with having a Wikipedia. It may not be the biggest Wikipedia, but there it is, with more articles than a few much more sizable languages from around the world. Look up Madagascar or Queen Elizabeth II, scroll down the list of language options, and Sakizaya will appear there along with all the others. In addition, Ms. Tai says that getting a new Wikipedia approved is not an easy task, and the fact that a small people like the Sakizaya could do it is significant. That's because it will serve as encouragement to other Taiwanese indigenous groups. Finally, the project has expanded the language's range from purely traditional subjects to contemporary topics of interest to contemporary speakers. Basketball and the NBA are particularly well covered, with biographies for a huge range of current and former players. Not surprisingly, there's an article about COVID-19, too. Some of this will require a bit of inventiveness with vocabulary that older speakers may find a bit confusing and taxing at first. But Ms. Tsai says the end result will be that Sakizaya people discover how useful and adaptable their own language can be for discussing just about anything, and how, just like any other language, it deserves to have its own space online. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Sammy Lin is wrapping thread around his fingers in a little alleyway shop in suburban Taipei. It looks like he's getting ready to play Cat's Cradle, but when he leans in close and starts maneuvering the string across a customer's face, it's clear that this is no game. It's a traditional form of cosmetology. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we're taking a closer look at what's known as wan mian, or threading.
The whirring sound of the thread rubbing against itself fills the little marketplace shop. A friend of mine is lying on a massage table, squirming as Sammy manipulates the thread over his face. The thread crosses over itself between Sammy's hands, and as the two lengths of thread rub against one another, they pull out tiny facial hairs. Sammy tells me a little bit about the style of threading that he's using. There is an old style of threading and a new style. For the old style, the traditional way, they hold one end of the string in their teeth. But for the new style, we hold the string in our hands in what's called the butterfly style, which is more hygienic. The new style is easier on the skin as well and doesn't hurt as much. People used to say threading is just for hair removal, but now it's also to massage the skin as well. It doesn't look like much of a massage. My friend Leo, who's getting the treatment, keeps on laughing, but I know he's laughing in pain. The process is similar to waxing, although it's probably not quite as harmful to the skin. (laughs) It hurts, he says, even as he laughs. Sammy turns on some mood music to create a soothing environment for his writhing customer. The practice of threading can be found throughout Asia, and as far away as Arab countries and in Iran. Sammy explains the traditions associated with threading here in Taiwan. The older generation says that a woman must have her face threaded before she gets married. That will get rid of all her bad habits from home before she gets married, so that she can become a brand new person. That's a more traditional way of looking at this practice. People also say that threading is a way of improving your luck, because they say that your face is your facade, which you present to others. So if you take care of your skin, then good things will come to you. These days, threading has become an inexpensive form of cosmetology. Today he's using white thread, but he says he has other colors too, which he uses for special purposes. For example, if you want to find a partner, then we use pink thread. But if you're looking for wealth and prosperity, then we use red thread. Most of the time we use white thread, which represents cleanliness and purity. And some threads are finer than others. White thread is usually thicker. We usually start with a thicker thread and then do it again with a finer thread. Everyone has his or her own way of doing it. Once Sammy has done the second round of threading, stopping only once to replace a broken thread, it's time for a face mask. I ask him whether it's unusual for a man to get into this line of work. It used to be only women doing it, but eventually there were more men. If we look at different night markets, there's a guy who does it at Raohe Night Market and one at the night market in Luzhou, but I'm the only one in Yonghe. He says male customers are increasing too because threading makes it easier to shave. But you'll want to make sure you shave your beard before you go in for a treatment, otherwise you could find yourself in for a painful surprise. Before we leave, Leo examines his face in the mirror. It does look cleaner, clearer, and brighter than before we arrived. What's amazing is that there was no fancy equipment used in the process, just a little bit of string and some dexterous fingers. 
with a knee to the ground. I'm Andrew Ryan. Pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hi, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. Today we're going to the mango season and we are all in the mood to welcome the mango on our show. That's right, let's big round of applause with mango. Yeah, it's Mangjong. So we're going to have some mango. <laughs> Mangjong is a two-week micro-season. Right. Sounds like mangoes. Uh, contains mangoes. Yes. Um, two other words when I think of mang are mm. busy. Right. And mang, right? And also blindness. Blindness. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to go add mang to mang, that. It's kind of like buzzed. D- dizzy, buzzed. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit tipsy. Okay. <laughs> and in fact, at the very end of our show, I'm going to bring you a song called uh, mung, mung, mung. Okay, it's all the different mung, okay? But we need to work our way up to that. Okay. Um, I say we start with mangoes. What do you think? Let's do it. So I have uh, chopped up a half a mango there for you. Oh, so I can eat it right now? Go ahead. Mm. again. Look at him. Okay, this is Iwen mango, right? That is right. Mm. The Irwin mangoes um, are kind of amazing. It has a strong smell. Mm-hmm. And very, mm. Mm. very juicy. Very juicy. You know, whenever I bite into the Irwin mango, mm. it gives it a creamy flavor. A creamy flavor. The texture. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's delicious. Mm. Very sweet. Very juicy. Mm-hmm. I think when, if you're going to have fresh mangoes, like on top of an ice dessert mm-hmm. or just by themselves, the best kind is the mango, is the Irwin's. Yes, the Irwin. It was introduced to Taiwan from the U.S. in 1954. But amazingly that, you know, I never had mango when I was living in the States. I never had it either. Apparently mm-hmm. they grow it in Florida. Mm. They introduced five different types of mangoes from the U.S. that year. And this is the one that stuck because... Mm. The climate was perfect for it. Um, people responded well to it. There weren't as many problems with bugs. Oh. Uh, and they're beautiful. Look at look at the outside of this. It's dark red mm-hmm. and it has little tiny orange spots. It Just looks like beautiful. a flamingo. A little flamingo. Mm-hmm. That's right. Presenting itself to us all. Wow. Yahoo Japan once conducted a poll which found that 76% of Japanese consumers believe that Taiwanese mangoes are the best quality i think so similarly if it's like erwin mango i'm sure like the ones grown in taiwan Mm -hmm. tastes much better absolutely Mm -hmm. even better than the ones probably that are grown in the states Florida. Mm -hmm. so what's interesting about this is that the erwin mangoes they come out a little bit earlier in the season Mm -hmm. it's one of the first mangoes to come out um and then so the iced frozen desserts they usually come pretty early in the season right but did you know that ice monster they use like three or four different mangoes do they i didn't yeah, realize that they don't only use Irwin. they also uh, mix it with uh 
uh, mangoes from Philippines. Oh, really? Right. Oh. And, and different, different, you know, types. Interesting to know. I went mm-hmm. to a, an ice shop in Wanhua, which is an older part of mm-hmm. Taipei. And the owner there insists on using Irwin mangoes. Mm-hmm. Once the Irwins are past the season, like in late August, September, they don't have the uh, the mango, mango ice anymore. I love that persistency. I love that persist. I love yeah. the stubborn bosses of yes, these shops. I love it. Love mm-hmm. it. It makes you uh, look forward to what they have. Right. They don't let you have it all the time. Exactly. So shall we check out what's on our menu Let's today? Let's do it. Today's going to be really passionate because mango brings out the passion of you. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Okay. In our first course, we are going to crack open our Chinese farmer's almanac to find out what it says about mangoes. Oh my goodness. I like that passion already. Mm-hmm. In the second course, I'm going to head into the test kitchen to make some mango pudding. Mm. I have to tell you, I was originally going to make you mango dried mango granola bars. Oh. But I was like, why use dry mangoes? When we can use fresh ones. I know. So we're doing a pudding instead. Great. I love it. Okay. Mm. You made the right choice. In our third and final (laughs) course, we'll be sampling the pudding right here in the studio. All right. But we're going to start off with a song by Mary Bites Carrie called Manguo Mangoes. Just don't bite each other. Bite the mango. Okay.
first course. Okay, in our first course, the micro season actually gongmengjong, and this is when all the fruits and vegetables from summer is all popping out. Okay, like the mango, like the watermelon, lychee, and you know pineapple. Yes, you're gonna get、um, pineapple. I think year round, but definitely with the other ones, you need to be eating them now、mm-hmm. because they're fresh. And in season, and you know, reading this, it's kind of like a little bit, you know, shocking because it says Mengzhong Qianghou. You know,、uh, before and after this micro season, basically the weather is not very stable. And after the、uh, the Dragon Boat Festival,、mm-hmm. Longzhong, the Duanwujie, then you can start preparing, like putting away all of the winter clothes. I've already put my winter clothes away. I don't I know, know what this is talking about. I, me too. It's like you know, we are in it already. Although I have to, to be honest, like just even a, a week or so ago, we were still having like somewhat cool days. Yes. But、okay. I always have a jacket ready to go. I don't know. I well, would never. Well, you know, I would never put like a little jacket or sweater because we all have like aircon. Yeah. Aircon is so cold. Okay. So you keep some of those out year round. Right. right. Okay. Okay, and also there are some sayings. Uh, uh, regarding Mengzhong, Mengzhong 夏至 So when the micro season come, summer is really in. Okay. I think those are two micro seasons. So it's like a four、right. week period of Mengzhong, and then the summer solstice. 夏至 right? right. And the thing is that mango will be harvesting. That's right. So in Taiwan, especially in the southern part of Taiwan. Um, these are the times when you can get these mangoes. Right, and Mangzhong Die Zai Tao Wu Shi. That means during this micro season, about、uh, well around May in、mm-hmm. the farmer's calendar,、mm-hmm. a lot of the flowers、uh, season. Is past already. So a lot of the the flowers have wilted. There are no more flowers、right. on the plants. So the butterfly are no longer, you know, looking for food. They don't have food for them anymore.、No. What happens to the butterflies, Alanju? They start reproducing, becoming, <laughs> you know, caterpillars. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool,、mm-hmm. cool, cool. So what do we eat during this micro season? Well, they say you should eat some bitter foods. So they say, so wait, shuku shabuku. Mm-hmm. So if you eat bitter, then the summer isn't bitter,、mm. uh, because bitter foods help relieve the heat. They nourish the yin in your body, like the yin and yang.、Mm. So that's the, the the kind of the colder part,、mm. and they take care of your spleen and your stomach. And some examples of bitter foods include bitter gourd, lotus seeds, Chinese kale, jielan,、uh, also、mm. buckwheat. Buckwheat.、Mm. <laughs> buckwheat. <laughs> and also lettuce and other.、Um, Raw、uh, leaf vegetables, right? And also, there are examples of you know drinks where sour drinks help relieve excess sweat, stop diarrhea, eliminate dampness, and some sour fruits have the effect of relieving heat. It can crunch your thirst.、Mm-hmm. Examples are plums, hawthorn, lemon, grapes, strawberries, tomato, pineapple, mangoes, kiwi fruit. That's right. So you can have some sour drinks to help out with a lot of those summer、mm. ailments. Okay. All that excess sweat. 
Okay, so we're gonna have a mango pudding song. Yes, what is the song called?、Mango、it's called Mango Pudding, pudding. <laughs> and it's by Xu Fei. Mango Pudding. All right. So in just a moment, in their second course, I'm gonna head into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen、Woo-hoo. and whip up something for you, Ms. Chu. Thank you. 
healthiest desserts we've ever had on Feast Meets West. And it's going to use some amazing, beautiful, delicious, fragrant Irwin mangoes, which are in season right now in Taiwan. So first off, we're uh, just taking the mangoes. I've already uh, peeled them and cut the flesh off of the stone. Um, and I've got about, I'd say maybe two, two and a half cups um, from two beautiful red ripe mangoes. Uh, so I'm just tossing that into a food processor and I'm gonna blend it well until it's nice and smooth. Okay, so we have a puree now, a beautiful mango puree. I kind of want to just drink it, but then we won't have anything to make our pudding out of. So now I'm just uh, heating half a cup of water and half a cup of coconut cream on low heat. Uh, we don't want it to boil, we just want it to simmer. You can also use uh, coconut milk here, but I've uh, opted for the cream because it's easier to get in Taiwan and it's gonna be a little bit thicker. So now as the bubbles are just starting to appear at the edges, steaming pretty well right now, I'm gonna take it off before it starts to boil. And now I'm just sprinkling a packet of gelatin on the top of it, stirring with a whisk as I go to fully incorporate it. Now this is about three teaspoons of gelatin you could probably also do this with uh, sheets of gelatin, but you'll have to check the conversions online. So now I'm just taking this uh, combined mixture of gelatin um, and coconut cream and uh, half a cup of water, and I'm just taking that and pouring it into my food processor. And I'm going to add another half cup of coconut cream. And we're just gonna zap that until it's combined. All right, now that I have my mixture all good to go, uh, I'm just uh, gonna pour it very carefully into some ramekins. Uh, this fills about uh, 10 small ramekins. And uh, I'm gonna just tap those to get rid of the bubbles. And then we're gonna toss it in the fridge, uh, cover it, uh, and leave it for two hours or overnight. Now, uh, one thing that I'm gonna do, uh, not for Ellen this time, but in the future, is I'm going to make it again and put just a little dollop of fresh cream, whipped fresh cream on top, and also some macerated dragon fruit, chopped up fine. Uh, I, I like to use the, the deep magenta colored dragon fruit. It has more flavor. Just squeeze a little bit of lemon and uh, sprinkle some sugar on it and let it sit. So there you go, that's a dairy-free mango pudding. Uh, it was inspired by spruce eats and savory lotus. Uh, I did make some changes though. Uh, now, of course, if you're going for totally dairy-free, uh, don't top it with the dairy cream like I did. You could maybe try something, uh, perhaps a cream made out of cashew or some other nut. In just a moment, when we return to Feast Meets West, we are going to be sampling this mango pudding with Ellen Chu in the studio. But first, a song by Mo and Wei, Karen Mock, called Snacks. And this, I tell you, it's sugar-free makes it a perfect snack.
You're listening to Feast Meets West. Third course. All right, Ellen Chu, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Woohoo! I made you some mango pudding. Let me bring you it over to you. You are so amazing. Why do I love Mr. Andrew Ryan? <laughs> okay, look. He has me served like a queen. Always. Always, okay? I love doing this show. Woo! Mango pudding. How long did it take you? Well, um, actually, assembling the mango pudding was the easy part. Um, it's relatively few ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a little guess as to what goes in here. Um, milk? No milk. I made it dairy-free just, just for, for you. Just for me? Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I am so touched. I mean... I was going to make it with milk, and then I was like, mm, maybe not. Maybe not, <laughs> yes. I was thinking, like, mm, would it be, like, very milky? Oh, this is good. So, so what do you taste? Coconut. That's right. Mm. I used coconut cream instead of milk. Wow, this is amazing. So what's really amazing about this is there is no sugar in this. Mm. So it is sugar-free. It is dairy-free. Mm-hmm. It is essentially just... Irwin mangoes, which are sweet enough that you don't have to add sugar. I'm just saying that, you know. Coconut cream. Yeah, this, and you have the schmarbucks. <laughs> I put it in a little glass jar for her, so it looks fancy. It looks like a schmarbucks. But don't tell people that schmarbucks made it. No, I wouldn't say that. Tell them that Andrew Ryan made it. You can't get it. Limited edition. Mm. Mm. Okay. Although I think they did this one year, but not right now. So first... Mm-hmm. You know, in the kitchen, I think, you know, you did some amazing stuff, mm. right? I try, Miss Cho. Okay. But you really have to blend it. How many mangoes did you use? So I used two full Irwin mangoes. Mm-hmm. I used half a cup of water. I used a cup of coconut mm. cream. And then uh, I added just a little bit of gelatin. So it's oh. mostly mango. Why do you need gelatin? You need gelatin just so that it sets. So it mm. becomes a pudding texture. If okay. you don't put gelatin in it, then it, um, it'll be runny. Mm. It'll be like a liquid. Okay. This is good. And I think with the Irwin mangoes, the, the mango flavor is really strong. And it gives it a creamy mango taste. Creamy. Just for you, Ellen Chu. This is Cho. so good. You're amazing. <laughs> mm. I was pretty happy with the way it came out. Okay. I'm pretty happy too. Okay. And I think mango and uh, coconut cream really mix. It makes it taste, I think, very like Pacific Island. Tropical and it has. Tropical. It feels like Club Med. You know, you're on a beach. Oh, you should make this and bring it to the beach party. Oh, (laughs) wow. Can you imagine? Oh. So I'm going to be going to an, a beach party with Ellen Chu. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my kid's class. This okay. is special only for you. 
not for those kids. Of course, you know, you can bring it to the beach party. Just me and Conrad would have it. And everyone else like, where'd you get that? Smartbucks? Yeah, you know, wherever. Yeah, wherever, you can get yeah. it. Why don't you go pick some up for yourself? I think they said it was limited today. Yeah. Limited like to three or four. And so, you know, I think I... I bought the last batch. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, and I restarted it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So bad. Right. So it doesn't need sugar, right? But it's good. I you love know? it. This is like nice, healthy, mm-hmm. and it tastes really good. So oh. natural. I'm glad you like it, Ellen yes. Chu. Next time, coffee. <laughs> just and, for you and peony flowers peony flowers yeah. all righty okay so there you have it that's our Irwin mangoes in season right now in taiwan mm. Love it. okay so we're gonna leave you with our addresses today all right so now with our addresses p.o box 123-199 taipei taiwan email us at a-n-d-r-o-o at rti.org.tw and of course next week we're gonna have a great look at something that you would be very happy about <laughs> i mean you could say that about any week right essentially well next week is the week okay <laughs> will be the week it'll be the week so you have to lock in so you have to I'm listen i'm not gonna tell you no yeah it's gonna be a secret secret yeah we're keeping it secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> cliffhanger <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay all right well thanks so much for listening for feces last time andrew ryan and this is ellen chu our last song is mong 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 by Lee Wei. that's right remember we said busy uh, busy and kind of dizzy. like dizzy <laughs> and blind. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, there, it happens all together. Dizzy, busy, and sizzy. Yeah, I like it. I <laughs> you like, like it? it. Okay. Have a listen. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
再猜，平静何时能回来？多少莫过期待，别成空白。不在乎时间的早晚，抛开所有的不安，享受这一刻的自由自在。甩掉不敢最的灵感和烦人的账单，快乐只有一点。现实中游走，不要到处一个人寂寞，两人又怕分手。越来越多心碎的阴谋，住进了沙漠。Radio Taiwan International. In Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 